probably. I'm guessing, and this is not. Please don't quote me. Welcome to the 918 Podcast, where we celebrate the people and places of Tulsa, Oklahoma. On today's episode, we get to hear from Dr. Sheila Riley, the principal of Eugene Field Elementary School. Now, Dr. Riley and Reverend Aaron Tiger meet up on location at Eugene Field Elementary School. So let's get this started by finding out where Eugene Field is and why that's important. Set on the corner of Southwest Boulevard and North uh, Southwest 23rd Avenue, uh, we are landlocked by three Section 8 housing complexes, which is where we draw most of our population. So we have 100% free and reduced lunch, which means every one of the students that walk through our door fall below, below the poverty level. Um, most of our students have experienced some sort of trauma during their life. Many of our students have experienced parents incarcerated. Uh, they have unstable home lives a lot of times. Uh, parents that are, uh, uh, we have students whose parents are on drugs. We have students whose parents can't read. We have students whose parents are non-existent. We have lots of grandmas taking care of grandbabies. Um, so every day when they come through our door, they carry a big sack of problems with them. Yeah, yeah. And our job is to help them unpack that sack and leave it at the door while they are here uh, so that they can learn and be successful. Dr. Riley goes on to talk about the fact that not only do the kids that they have come with their sack of problems, she talks about how each class is maxed out numerically, meaning that state law requires so many kids per adult, and they're consistently at capacity starting as early as pre-K. So with that amount of kids, with that amount of problems, Aaron thinks to ask the following. One thing I was wondering is what percentage of kids that start out in kindergarten graduate from Eugene Field in fifth grade? Well, is that, I mean, I would imagine the Section 8 housing is fairly transitional. It is. We have a lot of mobility. Uh, there are very few students who have been with us all six years of their education career. I would probably say from pre-K to fifth, one or two um, are still with us. Many times during a year, we have students who've been to our school, moved, came back, moved again, came back. Um, so lots of times we lose them for two or three months, uh, and then all of a sudden they show up on our doorstep again. So wait, one or two kids make it from pre-K to fifth grade? That seems crazy to me, one or two? Well, Dr. Riley goes on to discuss this. She talks about poverty, and she talks about the mind frame that she sees so often in the families. She was saying things that they think in the terms of temporary. You know, we will do what we can, when we can do it, and that's really all that we can do. Now, she mentions reading further on the subject and brings up Dr. Ruby Payne, 
who writes in length on this subject. So I went ahead and did some research as well. I found this article that she wrote discussing the hidden values amongst the different economic classes, and it really blew my mind. I'll highlight what she said on education. People in poverty view education as, quote, valued and revered as abstract, but not as a reality. Now she said people in middle class think education is, quote, crucial for climbing success ladders and making money. And then people in upper class think education is, quote, necessary tradition for making and maintaining connections. <laughs> and I just thought that was wild. Okay, okay, okay. Let's just jump right into it. Budget cuts, Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. Now, how does this affect a working principal in a Tulsa public elementary school right now? Fortunately for us, uh, we have a lot of community support. Okay. Um, what that means is that we have lots of community partners that work with us to help make our uh, students successful. Uh, some of our partners include First United Methodist Church, Covanta, OSU Center for Health and Sciences, Fraser and Fraser, um, and I could literally list <laughs> 25 more wow. uh, that come in and work with our students and our staff and really bring the, the uh, togetherness about. And so um, we are losing a couple of positions uh, that will impact us, but not to the extent that some of the schools are facing. Uh, because we have a lot of community support and because we we go out and do individual fundraising. We have a little bit more to work mm. with, okay. but uh, and we weren't hit that hard. We kind of fell in a. Uh, a we were already pretty lean, so okay. there's not much more that they could take away. Mm. Uh, some schools had some resources that were furnished by Tulsa Public Schools that are getting those taken away, and that is the hard part. Uh, it will so it will not impact our students now but when they go to middle school it could impact them mm -hmm. so, so so one of the things that it seems like to me with Eugene Field is that um, is that Eugene Field is an example in the midst of our Oklahoma education system of what to, of what to do right especially community wise I think so <laughs> um, because because it's so encouraging to me to be able to hear it Yes, we'll be impacted, but we're not impacted as much because of the community. Dr. Riley goes on to talk about how they were so successful in community action. She mentions the help that they get from the company Growing Together, which gives them additional adult volunteers for the classrooms. She mentions that they have a community in schools coordinator that works with those partners and, and parents and people who want to get involved, like even the YMCA, which provides after-school programs and many other things, which is great. So now I'm sure at this point we're feeling inspired to help, maybe not directly to Eugene Field Elementary, but certainly to the Tulsa Public Education, which is around us all the time. Well, Aaron went ahead and asked Dr. Riley how we should go about doing that. Go to a school and talk to somebody because chances are they've got a whole list of needs for their school. So pick a school that's near and dear to your heart and go there and talk to them and say, 
I don't know where to start. What, what is, what are some options for me? And then choose one that's closest to you. See, now that seems pretty sensible. I like it. Go to a school and ask. Now, Erin kept the conversation going and asked what she thought was very important. Now, this was fascinating. I, I think probably the biggest thing for me is that really, and, I'm, and we did touch on it briefly, but I don't think I can stress it enough, is that every Oklahoman really needs to get involved in what's going on right now in mm -hmm. education uh, because it does affect all of us. If it doesn't affect us right now, it will affect us in the very near future. It will affect everyone in the very near future. These kids I'm working with right now are going to be taking care of you. <laughs> yeah. In 25 or 30 years, they're going to be your mayors and your legislators and your lawyers and your doctors mm -hmm. uh, and your dentists. And um, we want them well-educated. We want them uh, well-rounded. We want to, you know, I mean... As much as I believe in education, and trust me, mm -hmm. I absolutely believe in education, there's a lot of other things that schools provide and education provides for students. Mm -hmm. They provide discipline. They provide the arts. They mm -hmm. provide physical activity for our students. They provide uh, a, a loving place to go. They provide mm -hmm. uh, skills for being an adult. They they, they uh uh, instill character and uh, and life skills such yeah. as leader and me. So schools are not just about focusing on reading and math. They they teach our kids a lot more than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, organization, yeah. you know, all of those things come into play. So when people say, um, "Well, it doesn't affect me," or "I don't have kids in school," or things like that, well, you have grandkids or you have nieces and nephews. Um, and it will affect you. And yeah. so everybody needs to really band together and, and, and come up with some solutions to how we can better the, the uh, ways that education is formed in Oklahoma and, and the way that uh, we are creating a future for these children. Mm -hmm. so. I, and I think about what a shame it is that we are losing people who could be do our doctors and our dentists and our mayors um, have those potential to be all those. And because we fail them in education and we fail them as a state, they, they never reach the potential they could be. And so mm -hmm. instead of being a doctor, they're in prison. Um, or instead of being a dentist, they're just working a menial job at $12 an hour. I mean, yeah, that, that that's... And, and the long-term benefit to society is probably astronomical. It's amazing. So how did Dr. Riley get here? Now, I love this moment in our podcast because this is how we get to see these amazing people that are helping our city. We get to see where they came from and how they got here. So let's just dive in. It's, it's interesting often how, like, God weaves these different oh, sort of things. It, I mean, and so, yeah, so this influence of, of a second grade teacher, your experience teaching adults and then getting back into this field in a diverse setting, and then and then here you are. Um, let me, so so you decided to move to Tulsa. Yes, that my was, family's here. Your family's so. here, so wanted to be closer to home. And so you just said, Tulsa Public School, I'm coming. Whatever you want to do with me, <laughs> it works for me. Is that how it worked, or what well, was that? Not exactly, but um, I applied for some education positions, really high school, mm -hmm. um, 
But again, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came, they said, we're, we're going to send you to Eugene Field. Uh, and I really thought it was a high school, but it was not. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just such a learning experience of, uh, first of all, how do you deal with the younger kids? Yeah. Uh, they don't have a lot of reasoning skills. You know, they did just different things, maturity mm-hmm. levels, obviously. Um, so my first year, boy, I just couldn't wait to get out of here. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, but again, God mm-hmm. changes you. And so, um, my second year, I think about mid year, I, I turned the corner and just really asked myself, are you committed or are you not? Cause mm-hmm. if you're not committed, you need to get out. Mm-hmm. And if you are committed, you need to get busy. I was uh, floundering, struggling with uh, what I wanted to do, really wanted to do, and um, I could see it on their faces, going, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Where are we going? Um, They needed some direction. I needed to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, again, you, you reflect, you look at where you are and you say I must be here for a reason and you know I want to go back to Connie because she said and she told me the whole first year God has sent you here for a reason Mm. and I said I don't know what it is I don't know what the reason is and she said it will all in due time you Mm. know Um, but there's a reason do you know the reason now yes (laughs) Uh, yes is to bring some unity and to really focus these mm. kids on success. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we are on the road to accomplish that. Uh, these kids are so precious. They need us more than, mm. m- more than ever right now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've fallen in love with the kids. I've fallen in love with their parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some parents do amazing turnarounds. I've watched several of our parents get jobs and move out of this neighborhood for a better life. I've seen uh, parents who uh, just couldn't stand this school now be our best friend and advocate. Mm. Uh, When you do good things for kids, you do good things for everybody. We would really like to thank Dr. Sheila Riley for talking with us and for sharing her story. We would also like to thank you for listening. The 918 Podcast is an extension of the 918.org, a writing community of contributors sharing resources about Tulsa and life and faith. This podcast is sponsored by First United Methodist Church in downtown Tulsa. It is directed and facilitated by Reverend Aaron Tiger. It's produced by me, Aaron Leatherbarrow, and our music was arranged by Jeff Logan. To close out this podcast, we'll hear Aaron ask some rapid-fire questions, as always, so we can learn just a little bit more before we go. Thanks again for listening to the 918 Podcast, where we celebrate the people and places of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's where we live. It's where we love. It's where we call home. These seven questions here. Um, So uh, this is part of how we um, end each of the podcasts. All right. What is your favorite word? Fab.
fabulous. <laughs> is that part of your pep? Right, kind it of, is. Every it time. is. Awesome. When people ask me how I'm doing, I always, I try to always respond fabulous. That's great. Great. What is your favorite sound? Hmm. Gosh. Um. The dinner bell ringing. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Um, Not the school bell. That's either the new day is beginning or the day has ended. Huh? Uh, I'm not sure what my favorite sound is, but uh, I can tell you what it's not. It's not my alarm clock ringing. <laughs> it's not my. Favorite well, you all start sound. school at what? Seven forty-five. Um, we start. Uh, we open our doors at seven thirty and okay. start at eight, but we're changing, so next year will be even earlier. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Um, what is your favorite Tulsa area event? <sighs> Gosh. Probably something, um, I like the, the pack, the Tulsa pack, so um, it's probably some, any play or, oh, or yeah. a theater, something like that. I love going to those, but I love lots of things. I love the drillers, mm. and I love sporting events, so um, Guthrie on the Green is oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what is your favorite local place to eat? I'm going to say... The Blue Rose. Okay. I love their chicken tenders. Could eat them every day. <laughs> probably chicken tenders aren't healthy to eat every day. I but. know. I know. Stop. <laughs> but that's what. That's why I don't go every day. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is someone locally that you admire? Um, Kara Gay Neal. Kara Gay Neal was my assistant principal in high school. Okay. And um, she was one of the first women in administration, hmm. uh, but. Uh, she really saved my life when I was in high school. I was struggling really uh, poorly, and and I had a lot of things going on uh, at the time. My uh, my uh, stepfather and her had uh, divorced, and we were not financially in a good place. And she was kind of having a moment in her life too. And anyway, uh, I my Kara called me into the assistant principal's office, and she said. Sheila, you're not doing good, and uh, you're not going to graduate if you don't get it together. And I said, I tried to tell her this whole story, and mm. she goes, um, so what? And mm. I looked at her because I was like, so what? Uh, I just told you all of these things wrong in my life. And she said, so what are you going to do? Mm. You're just going to fall apart and let your life fall apart? And uh, I just really was... Uh, astounded that she would react that way but she uh, saved, saved my life and uh, so she went on to be I think superintendent at Glenpool and, and she works for TU now and I was uh, inquiring into urban education and somebody said oh you've got to call this lady over at TU and I called her and we met and I was like oh my gosh you were my assistant principal you I, wow. I just wanted to tell you how much you changed my life and um, so I really, really admire her. And um, Dr. Oliver, who was the superintendent of Broken Arrow, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, but he is an, just an amazing uh, man. And I hope that uh, when my uh, career is that far, I hope that I can be half the person that mm. he is. He's mm. just really amazing and uh, sharp, sharp, knowledgeable man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, 
Um, what do you think that we're missing here in the 918 in the Tulsa area? What do we need here? Two things. Um, one, I came from Nashville, so I think a local music scene is mm. missing. I love the, you know, live, you know, jazz or country or rock or whatever. Uh, but we have very little of that okay. in Tulsa. Yeah. And the second thing I miss, uh, I think we're missing, and uh, that is some sort of a transit system. Mm. We have en enough suburbs to support a transit system that comes into Tulsa every day and uh, we we do not have that which I think Typros is working on mm -hmm. but uh, we really I think need that yeah. to be able to grow our economy and our businesses and things like that so um, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that in the near future yeah yeah no, I, somebody else sort of mentioned that as well um, and what do you consider a hidden gem in Tulsa what do people not know about that we have the most amazing philanthropic community mm. ever. Uh, and I think Tulsans need to know that that is not the case everywhere. There's not these loads of people. I mean, we all know about George Kaiser and uh, Schustermans and, and, you know, uh, all of those folks. But there are people every day mm. that give of, of their, from their hearts whether it be financially, whether it be their time, whether yeah. it be their businesses, whether it be their resources. It's amazing in Tulsa. We are so fortunate to have the caring community that we do. Mm -hmm. it, and it is truly unique about Tulsa. And I don't think enough people realize all of the things that go into this community to make it work that aren't paid for. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome.